Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. And skipping to verse 29, after they had even cut themselves, verse 29 says, they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. But still there was no sound, no reply, no response. And now turning to the following book, 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings 4 and verse 31. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. Nothing happened. There was no sign of life. And so he returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. The child is still dead. As we pray this morning, I'd like to title this, Some Things Cannot Live. Some things cannot live, but some things cannot stay dead. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In this wonderful atmosphere of praise and worship, I feel faith even now building in the house. Let's pray to God. I thank you, Lord, God, for the opportunity, Lord, that the excellency of your power might be on display, Lord, through the ministry of your word, God, through our worship, Lord, and through our faith now, rising to you, Lord, opening our hearts for, to allow you to do that which you would, Lord, in each and every life here this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, God. Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. Some things cannot live. Some things cannot stay dead. Now, if we were to look at just these verses that we read this morning, these verses alone we might think that these two accounts were more or less the same. If we just read these scriptures in a vacuum without any context. In fact, these two stories intersect right here in these passages that we read from 1 Kings and 2 Kings. They intersect here because there's no voice, there's no hearing, there's no answer. And sometimes, sometimes, saints of God, fellow travelers and strugglers, sometimes that's how we see life, isn't it? Through just a single phrase or line or verse at a time. There's this great panorama of time and space. And yet we see it, it through the incredibly small pinprick of our individual lives. I remember my, my mother telling me as a child how that whenever there was an eclipse, that 
she and her friends would get a piece of cardboard and just pop a little, take a pin and just pop a little hole in it so they could put it up to their eye and, and try to view the eclipse without being blinded. I, I don't know that that's advisable. But I'm always, I'm always reminded of that when I think of the spectrum and the scale on which God works. This, the sun, in its, all its power, and its rays traveling at the speed of light around which our entire universe, and we're trying to, to capture that through this little pinprick. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, Many times that's how we live life, isn't it? We can't see the future, of course, and we have short memories. So the context of particular moments in our lives are often lost, and we don't see them for what they truly are. But these two stories from which we we drew these scriptures are two very different stories with very different beginnings and very different endings. You see, some things cannot live, but some things cannot stay dead. Hallelujah. The background of the first passage in 1 Kings chapter 18 is that Ahab ascended to the throne of Israel, and Ahab married a particularly wicked woman named Jezebel. And she brought with her her pagan gods, and Ahab being the milksop that he was, allowed Jezebel to walk all over him, and she institutionalized in the nation of Israel the worship of Baal. And idolatry in Israel at that time and times prior and later times was never really about the particular idol that they happened to be worshiping. Yes, it may take a different form, and, and they carved Baal out of stone and tried to form him out of uh, molten irons and, and uh, metals and what have you, often in the, the form of, of a man of some sort, but it was never really about that particular idol du jour. It was all about doing what Israel wanted to do, about following their own desires to make a life for themselves apart from God and his commandments. And in that respect, (laughs) very little has changed in the world (laughs) in several thousand years, hasn't it? Because today we're still faced with the temptation to try to make a life for ourselves apart from God. Or we at least allow a little bit of God and a little bit of church to sort of splash over into our lives to salve our conscience. But the heart of it is that we still are acting and doing what we want to do. Today we erect no physical idols. I I doubt any of you have an idol to bail in your home. But our self-will, and the Bible calls that iniquity, takes a more subtle form. We have plans and hopes and and dreams, all of us. That's a natural thing. We have aspirations and expectations, and we try to breathe life into these things that we want to do. 
These, these great plans and the, these, uh, for, for success in life and for success in relationships and for success in career. And we try to breathe life into these things that we want to do. We try to animate them in, in hopes of even justifying them. You see that it's okay because I am successful in this area. And so then it's all right. We go to great lengths to prove that our way is right, not unlike the prophets of Baal did. But for all of their, their dancing and for all of their cutting themselves and for all of their ranting, there was no way that Baal was coming to life. It just was not going to happen. He was an idol of stone or of metal. He could not hear. He could not taste. He could not feel. He could not speak. No matter how much blood, how much sweat, tears, time, and effort, no matter how bad they or no matter how bad we want something, some things just cannot live. Cannot live. Unlike the prophets of Baal, no matter how good or well-intended our self-made or self-willed plans for life appear on the surface, we cannot bring them to God simply for his rubber stamp. Because many times, if we're not careful, that's what we'll do. We'll think up things that are good and things that are not bad in and of themselves, and we'll bring them to God. I say, okay, God, if you'll just stamp this, please. Just sign here and initial here so that I can do what I've already decided to do. I mean, I hear you laughing, but you know it's true. Yeah, some things just can, cannot live, and they cannot be blessed to truly live a life of divine inspiration walking in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The background on our second passage from 2 Kings chapter 4 is that Elisha and his travels had come across a Shunammite woman who had blessed him. She'd built for him a chamber and provided uh, sustenance, a time of refreshing. And, and so on his travels throughout the land, he would occasionally stop in and, and rest there. And Upon a certain occasion, he asked Gehazi, this woman has, has done so much for us, how might we bless her? And Gehazi said, well, she doesn't have a son. And at that time in Israel, it was a reproach for a woman to be childless. And so he, called, he says to Gehazi, call the woman. She comes and he says, this year, uh, next, this, about this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she's like, oh, don't, don't tease me. Don't, don't go there, man of God. <laughs> Almost to say that she had given up hope of that ever happening. I, I've come to live with this shame and reproach, and I, I know how to live with this now. Don't, don't upset the apple cart here. Don't get my hopes up. That dream has died a long time ago. And so, true to the prophet's word, 
The son was born. He grew. He was one day working in the fields with his father when all of a sudden he said, my head, my head, and he fell down dead. He was carried back to the house and laid out, and the Shunammite woman sent for the man of God. She went to the man of God, and Elisha sent Gehazi on ahead. And as we read, Gehazi came and he laid the prophet's staff on the boy. Just as he'd been told. And yet nothing happened. The boy was still cold. Still stone dead. Gehazi had gone ahead with the staff of the man of God even, but to no avail. And sometimes even we're told, we, we've done. We will do what we're, we're told to do. And yet nothing happens. The child remained dead. See, the child here represents the promises of God. The word of God spoken into the life of this Shunammite woman. And the promise that that entailed coming to life living and breathing, being in her household every day, growing up and and bringing life to a home that had before that time not experienced such joy and life. And yet, now we lay dead in that same home. I'd like to stand before you today, brothers and sisters, and tell you that the promises of God never die. But I can't say that because it's not necessarily true. I'd like to say that I've never experienced the death of a promise. But I can't say that. And I'm sure that there are those among us here this morning who have held on to words from God that they have received. Promises that they they felt sure were going to come to life. And yet they've seen them die on the vine and fail to come to fruition. I cannot say that such promises of the Lord never die when we have lived through their death. And we've just stopped hoping that it'll ever come to pass. It's at times like that that we can suffer from tunnel vision. We can see only the results. We can see only that one passage that we read from 2 Kings chapter 4. Nothing happened. The child remained dead. No voice, no hearing, no answer. We have nothing but questions. Why, God? I don't understand, God, and yet... We don't even seem to get an answer from God. No voice, no hearing, no answer. But while some things cannot live, some things, hallelujah, hallelujah, cannot stay dead. They cannot stay dead. Reading again from 2 Kings 4, that when Elisha arrived... The child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. 
He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Hallelujah. Elisha got up. He walked back and forth across the room once and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes because there are some things that having died cannot stay dead. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There are some promises that you've seen them die, but I'm telling you this morning, they cannot stay dead if those promises are from God himself. Hallelujah. The child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. He had breath and then sight. He had spirit and then vision. He had inspiration and then revelation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just uh, like on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost preceded the revelation of the word that Peter preached. Signs of life, voice and hearing, proclamation and edification. They followed inspiration and revelation. Spirit, hallelujah, and life, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's promises may look dead. They may feel dead. They may sound dead. They may smell dead. But I tell you this morning, they cannot stay dead. When God has spoken a word into your life, hold on to it because it cannot stay dead. It will be resurrected in God's time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would this morning. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' words in Mark chapter 8 said that whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The implication there is that some things are going to die and it's going to be you. For whosoever, Jesus continued, will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, For we died and were buried with Christ. We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live in new lives, new lives, hallelujah, hallelujah, and this is Paul's almost rewording of Peter's words on the day of Pentecost that we already referenced. Repent, die, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. We have the promise that there is no sin that cannot be remitted. We have that promise that if we submit ourselves to the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, hallelujah, that God will wipe away everything that we've ever done, hallelujah, and everything that we ever will do in Jesus' name, hallelujah. We have the promise of the Holy Ghost, God indwelling this vessel, not because we're worthy, but because he somehow is able 
to have the excellency of the power abide within these earthen vessels. We have the promise that there is no one too far that God cannot reach with that promise of his Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's unto you. It's to your children. It's to all who are far off. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't care how far you think, how unreachable you think you are or anybody else in your life is. God can reach them. That is his promise. Jesus said in John chapter 12 that it is a fact that a grain of wheat must fall to the ground and die before it can grow and produce much more wheat. See, some things, they have to die. If it never dies, Jesus said, it will never be more than a single seed. But whoever loves the life that they have now will lose it. But whoever is willing to give up their life in this world will keep it. They will have eternal life. And that is a promise. That is the word of God to you, to Newark UPC this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you will die, you will not stay dead. God promises life and life more abundantly in this world and in the world to come. Hallelujah. And so I challenge you, saints of God, give up your plans. Give up your hopes. Give up your dreams, your dreams, your plans. Repent of the life that you want. Because some things can never live. No matter how much you want them to, they will never live. But hold fast to God's promises. Because of regard, regardless of how things may look and feel, no matter how dormant or how silent, for however long they've been dormant and silent, those things from God, the words that he has spoken, the promises that he has given you, they cannot stay dead. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you join me at this altar this morning? Let's spend a t season in prayer. God, I give up my life. Lord,